You're listening to Legal Skies, a podcast by the Law Society of Saskatchewan. This is Season 3, Episode 2. Please note that this recording was made on Zoom and we apologize for any poor audio quality. I'm Julie Shavawali, your host for Legal Skies. Today we look at how librarians help lawyers and the public in legal research and access to justice issues. Joining us on Zoom today are Alan Kilpatrick, Co-Director of Legal Resources at the Law Society of Saskatchewan, Shauna Moreau, Past President of the Canadian Association of Law Libraries, and Kim Nair, Current President of the Canadian Association of Law Libraries and Associate Dean of the Cornell Law School, where she oversees the operations of the Cornell Law School Library. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. We're Hi. glad to be here. So I wanted to start off with uh, a question because I I know you recently discussed this at your uh, conference at the Conference for the Canadian Association of Law Libraries. Do you consider yourself a law librarian or a legal information specialist? I would love to start. It's Shauna. I consider myself a legal information specialist. Um, I don't actually work in a law library at uh, at all anymore. I work part-time for a legal research technology company. Um, I've always considered myself a legal information specialist because I also don't have a Master of Library Science degree. I have a diploma from Grant McEwen University in library management. Yeah, go right ahead, Kim. Okay. Um, So for me, I'm actually not one for binary choices. So I am whatever fits the moment. And at this moment, I'm a law school administrator and a library administrator. And my background is a little different from many law librarians. I'm also a lawyer who had many years of legal research practice. I'm a legal research specialist also. Um, and a teacher. This year I, I am teaching as I've done in many years, but this year I'm a teacher more of substantive law than of legal research. Um, and, and I'm also a teacher of legal information literacy and copyright matters generally. So yeah, none of the above or all of the above. <laughs> yeah, this is a very interesting question to kick off our discussion here. My answer would be both. Uh, I would consider myself both. Uh, So my job title is co-director of the uh, Law Society of Saskatchewan's Legal Resources Department. And our Legal Resources Department actually includes a a variety of very neat things. Uh, It includes a physical law law library, an online library, and it also includes some of the Law Society's communications initiatives and access to justice initiatives. Uh, I see law librarian as, as being quite a broad term. Um, that can really encompass uh, a really amazing variety of professionals who work with legal information. Uh, If you take a look at the three of us here today, Shauna, who works with a legal technology company, Kim, who works at a law school, and myself, who works for a law society, um, I think there's a variety of people who can be law librarians and who can work with legal information. Uh, You know, I think anyone who helps organize, teach, uh, builds with legal information or makes legal information available, uh, could be a law librarian or could be a legal information specialist. Uh, Generally, I think the people who work in this field have an amazing and competitive skill set. So you don't necessarily need to be a librarian to work within 
the legal information field. Some people who do work within this field are librarians, but many are not librarians. So in short, I consider myself both. So of course you all gave me three different answers, which I anticipated. Uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to ask that question is when when we think of librarians, you know, folks think of lots of different people, right? You can think of your school librarian, you can think of your librarian at a public library, um, or when you're at university, or you know, as as Alan said, we we have two physical libraries, uh, law libraries here in Saskatchewan and in the courthouses, uh, but librarians play a role when we talk about access to justice in the legal industry. And that could encompass a, a lot of different people just as it, it could encompass people who are legal information specialists. So I, I wanted to hear your thoughts on what role do you think folks in this industry play when we talk about access to justice? Kim, did you wanna start? Sure. And, you know, I really like Alan's answer in, in that he said that a law librarian can be so much more than what we may, and your question, so much more of what we typically think a law librarian um, can be. An example that comes to my mind is Ben Franklin, who was not a law librarian per se, but he established the first free library. And um, that, you know, in its way at the time promoted access to justice. And so I, I think from my perspective, the most evident role for law librarians is to, to ensure that people can access authoritative legal information and that they can understand it. And that, you know, it, it engages some well-known issues like accessibility for differently abled people, but also removal of um, financial barriers and technological barriers. Um, beyond that, though, there is an important um, aspect of access to justice that, that um, that falls under ensuring information is comprehensible. So law librarians and, and the work that they do mediates legal information. It helps constituencies, whether the general public or law firm, lawyers, um, students, uh, find and use and understand legal information. I could go on, but I will let um, Shauna and Alan speak. I could go on. I think that um, legal information professionals in any capacity, whether they consider themselves law librarians, legal information specialists, legal researchers, technology developers, um, legal information service providers of any kind, all have a role to play in access to, to justice. And particularly those individuals who can understand and decipher what a person's actual legal question is, um, whether those people who have the question are lawyers, are not lawyers, are um, acting on, on um, behalf of, of someone else, or are you know, personal advocates or what have you, social workers, whomever. Um, translating what is actually a legal question, I think is the, the role that law librarians have played um, traditionally and, and, uh, and will play in the future. We're the people who um, in our training for our roles in library schools and library colleges 
learn specifically to decipher what an actual question is. So someone may come with what they think is a legal problem. I need to file some papers with small claims court. And what the actual problem is might be something entirely different. So they have a problem in their life that they need to solve. And librarians are the people who translate problems into questions that can be solved by information. So as far as, as um, what our role is in access to justice, I think it's a translation function. We help people understand what can be answered by legal information sources. And as Kim said, we can also help pe point people to correct and accurate and um, relevant data, as well as uh, assist people in the functionality of how that data is presented. So that's, that's my answer. I also think that librarians should be as deeply involved in access to justice initiatives as they can be. Um, I've been sitting on the uh, access to justice uh, in family law um, group that um, uh, Justice McLaughlin started. And I, I tell you, that is a really important initiative that needs more law librarian or legal information specialist voices. Those who work in the law library and legal information field have a, an absolutely critical role to play in access to justice in, in Canada. Uh, and I, I see those working in this field supporting uh, two, you know, two different groups, legal professionals, lawyers and judges, of course, and also the public. Uh, the reason that I'm mentioning lawyers and judges is that uh, our legal professionals need to be able to access, have access to resources and to information to be able to practice competently. Um, and that is one thing that law libraries and legal information centers do. Uh, so, for example, here in Saskatchewan, we, pr we provide our lawyers, our members of the law society with both physical and online law libraries. Uh, regardless of where a lawyer in this province works, whether they work in an urban center or in a remote or rural location, every lawyer in this province has access to an excellent set of online legal resources that they can access from their own computer, wherever they're located in this province or in the world. Uh, and I think supporting our legal professionals uh, by providing them with information to be able to practice competently is one aspect of supporting access to justice in Canada. Um, online legal resources can be extremely expensive. The licenses that need to be negotiated and signed are quite complex. Uh, at the Law Society, uh, the legal resources department sees itself as a bulk purchaser of online legal resources that we purchase and subscribe to on behalf of the legal professionals in this province. And of course, we can also talk about the public and how law libraries and legal information professionals support the public. Uh, access to legal information is a fundamental building block of access to justice. Once someone 
has access to legal information, uh, they can either proceed to learn more about a legal problem that they're dealing with, or they may decide to seek out legal assistance or further help. But access to justice is premised on good access to legal information. There's lots of disparate sources of legal information in this country that there isn't one good source. You need to have very good information literacy skills to be able to find reliable, incredible legal information on the internet. Uh, as we know, the quality of information that you might find on the internet could vary. Uh, often legal information is going to be presented in complex legalese. In other words, it's not going to have been written for members of the public. It's going to be have written be have written for lawyers. Plain language information is key because that's been specifically written for members of the public uh, in a way so that members of the public can actually understand that information. Um, to comment a bit more on my role here, uh, access to justice and access initiatives are uh, uh, one of the strong pillars of the legal resources department. Uh, I've had the privilege of working with you, Julian, with other staff at the Law Society very uh, you know, very intimately on the Law Society's various uh, access and access to legal information initiatives. Uh, I'm happy to chat about those um, a bit more. Some of our key initiatives, you know, include our, the Saskatchewan Access to Legal Information Project that we're involved in, uh, as well as uh, the new legal information guidelines that the Law Society of Saskatchewan recently created. Yeah, those yeah. are some great initiatives that the Law Society is involved in, which help disseminate legal information and also let people know what to look for when they're searching for legal information. Um, Shauna and Kim, I know you both work in, in different places, but just really quickly, what's what's a top uh, legal information resource that you think folks could, could look at um, that's really helpful? I think everyone in Canada who's searching for legal information needs to know about uh, Canley, the Canadian Legal Information Institute. Um, as, as Alan alluded to, the material that is available on Canley is valid, is informative, it's credible, it's reliable. It is not written for the public for the most part. I mean, there's, there's a growing um, body of work that is um, written with not only lawyers in mind, but that is primarily a resource for people who already know how to decipher um, what's written in a piece of legislation or what's written in case law. Um, apart from that, I think that every university law school in Canada has extremely valid and valuable information that they put um, out for public consumption through the law school library websites. Um, you know, you'll find things like um, the uh, um, public uh, access material that is specifically written for um, access to justice at the University of Windsor, for example. Um, there's an incredible wealth of, of data that's available. The University of Alberta in my city of uh, Edmonton offers um, guidance on how to use legal information sources through the university uh, law schools library department. So, you know, 
understanding what is available is is critical. Kim? I think um, I echo Shauna. That, that is actually a hard question. It's hard to pick out one great source of information, but absolutely everyone should know about Canley and also should understand, as Shauna mentioned, its scope. And there probably are some terms of use on there somewhere that indicate that, that you know, it's not legal advice that's there, but, but interpretations as well as primary legal information. Um, I, you know, working at Cornell, I it would I would be remiss to not mention the Legal Information Institute, which of course was the the grandpa of them all, oh grandma of them all. Um, I I also want you know I, the the law school libraries and the various research guides that are posted are are also great, and some of those are very clearly directed toward law students and law faculty, but most law libraries also have. Um, guides that are directed toward the public. As well, there are a number of pleas, so public legal education, I'm not sure if I've got the, the abbreviation correct, but public legal education and initiatives or institutes that have some great legal resources that definitely are meant uh, directly for self-represented lit litigants or uh, generally speaking public legal education but it you know it all brings us back down to that in, initial question about law librarians and the role in promoting access to justice and i i think that all of us whether we call ourselves a law librarian legal information specialist legal tech innovator we all use our expertise to help um, our communities improve their own literacy with legal information their own ability to know what to use to distinguish authoritative from speculative information, um, law from fact, from opinion that might be floating around in various uh, third or fourth hand Facebook shares, um, good quality from poor quality information. And just to pick up on something that both Shauna and Alan had alluded to earlier, the closer we get to a, you know, a very closely to fully technologically mediated society when it comes to justice and legal information, and even including all the work that our, our really wonderful legal tech enthusiasts are building, the, the closer we get to that, and especially when we're talking about an almost invisibly mediated, technologically mediated society, the greater the role for us to help avoid the kind of two-tiered access that Alan alluded to, um, that we, we want to ensure we don't get in, into a situation of of even increasing justice haves and justice have nots and information rich and information poor communities, whether in Canada or globally. Absolutely. You can have all the sources of legal information in the universe, but if you don't have an understanding of how that information applies to you and how to frame your legal question, there are people who are going to be left behind. And, you know, what what Kim said about ensuring that we don't have a two tier or three tier or four tier um, society as far as as justice is extremely important. Exactly. And to build on what what Kim and Shauna are saying, um, there is a plethora of different legal resources out there. And it can be difficult for someone to identify what the correct resource or information source they need to consult. That's where law librarians and legal information professionals are bringing value. Our 
one of our areas of expertise is our knowledge of all the different resources available and what their capabilities are. Shauna earlier spoke about our skills in uh, speaking with people, with having a conversation with them and in identifying what it is that they're, what a member of the public might be really looking for. Member of the public might not yet know that they have a legal problem or they might not yet know that they have a need for legal information. And it's not until that they, they identify that need that they can begin to take steps to rectify it, obtaining further information or obtaining further legal help. Some of the, you know, the key public resources I might suggest uh, Shauna had mentioned the University of Windsor. I know some of their staff are involved in an initiative called the National Self-Represented Litigants Project, and they have created some absolutely phenomenal guides for members of the public. Uh, I know Kim had mentioned plea resources. Uh, every province in Canada has an official plea organization that creates plain language information for the public. I think we should also call out uh, Law Now magazine. It's uh, specifically written uh, in plain language and, and does deeper dives uh, into topics that might be of interest to anyone in the public. I think I wrote an article like 100 years ago on that, on uh, personal injury matters and what, what it really meant for um, plaintiffs when they got into a vehicle accident. Putting, you know, again, presenting that realistic real life perspective. Yeah, scenario based research, something that translates between, you know, and an, an issue into uh, and follows the path through legal information to the potential solutions. Uh, I wrote that you wrote Kim. I, was <laughs> did you? I did. It was back in the day, back in the, the good old Alberta days. I was going to ask if you if you used a good old pen and paper to to write the article since it was so long ago. That that's funny in my own head. You don't have to laugh. It's okay. <laughs> um, you you guys just gave some really great resources there. So I I wanted to give uh, uh, Shauna and Kim um, in our final minute here. Uh, I know Alan went through in detail the the resources that we have at, at the Law Society, like the Legal Resources Library and the. Uh, legal information guidelines. I know Call recently had a conference and is working on some initiatives. So really briefly, if you could just uh, point out one or two um, top initiatives that came out of the conference. So what, you know, one of the things that we are working on, um, it's partly an internal, but partly, you know, potentially, hopefully an external facing initiative is we're looking at, um, at whether our name still reflects the modern objects of our association and who we include among our membership. Um, I think, you know, both Shauna and I um, have wanted to see Call having a robust future that builds upon all of these challenges that we're talking about and also the, the opportunities that they present us with. Um, so, you know, that's one of our initiatives is to, to look at, um, in, you know, inviting potentially other allies to join with us, to collaborate with us, to work a little bigger and in greater coordination, um, and perhaps in some modern ways, again, all to further 
the goal to ensure that we don't create information poor section sectors of society even more so than exists now because we do know that we have two-tiered access to justice we have um, access to justice and justice poor segments even within regionally within Canada or economically within Canada uh, we also are doing our best and I think in this last conference that we had to present the idea that um, we all need as law librarians working in the modern era to understand and help our community of whether it's public or legal practitioners understand the nuances of what machines can do and what machines can't do and what machines still need mediated experts for. And, you know, Alan referred to the on the ground interactions that law librarians have. And so we can use that formal and professional expertise to connect with the communities and their realities. And I think I'd also like to continue one of the initiatives that Call has, you know, had over the years, but ramped up in recent years, and that's advocacy. Um, we uh, just uh, two weeks ago, I think, uh, our association participated as an intervener in what a, a colleague of mine in a Toronto law firm called, oh, that big case, that really big case. So it was a, a case about a copyright law and fair dealing and calls presented a perspective that, um, you know, what was intertwined with the kind of um, work that legal informations do in pursuing ensuring access to justice and ensuring that copyright law will allow us to continue to do that kind of work. Uh, so there are other kinds of advocacy that we've done and that I think we will continue to do. We've been advocating directly with parliament to ensure that language in the Copyright Act continues to allow us to make legal information, primary legal information available without hindrance to our communities. There are many other areas, um, I think, where we can need to continue that kind of advocacy. Yeah, Kim, absolutely. That that sounds like you guys are very busy, <laughs> um, but but also really fascinating, particularly about the the name of the organization itself. I'm sure that's going to be a long term conversation. Well, I, I wanted to thank you once again, Kim, Sean, and, and Alan, for joining us on this episode of Legal Skies. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. We hope you found the podcast informative and would love to hear your feedback, comments, or suggestions. You can contact us at podcast at lawsociety.sk.ca. Until the next episode, I leave you with this amusing quote by Benjamin Franklin. We are all born ignorant, but one must work hard to remain stupid. Stupid.